You're listening to the Crossing DE podcast from The Crossing in Milton, Delaware, a community dedicated to developing devoted followers of Jesus. Our guest speaker today is Jeff Walling. And what I want you to know about him, first and foremost, he's a preacher, and you're soon to find this out. Uh, he's also a motivational speaker, inspirational speaker. He's invited to all kinds of conferences. Uh, but one of the things I love about Jeff is he is so full of passion for investing in the next generation of preachers and does an incredible things with that, about that. So would you help me by giving uh, Jeff a warm crossing welcome uh, this morning, Jeff Walling. My goodness, normally the uh, standing ovation comes at the end of the service, but uh, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Mark, thank you so much, Pastor Mark, for the opportunity to be with you, uh, you and the angel that you live with. Uh, been so gracious, welcoming to me and my wife, and we have enjoyed learning just a little bit uh, about this area and getting a chance to be here with you. If you're a guest like me, maybe you this is not your church home, I want you to know you've stumbled into a really wonderful place. Uh, you, 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 yeah, amen. Uh, that's great. I, I, was, I was just blown away at the gift of just one of the worship band this morning. I said, man, I've seen a one-man band this, before, but I mean, just the beautiful way that Cole led us in worship. I hope you've already been greeted and made to feel welcome. And if you're looking for a place to get plugged in, let me encourage you to get to know the folks here at the crossing. At the uh, early service, I met uh, two different families that had just moved out here from California, my home state. And uh, they said how what blessing it was for them to, um, to be here. And my mom always said, if somebody invites you to their house, you need to invite them to yours. So let me do so. I serve at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California. How many here ever been out to California? Anybody been to Malibu? Anybody actually been to Pepperdine, to, to the campus itself? Oh, okay, awesome, great. How many will not raise your hand no matter what question I ask this morning? Okay, thank you for the honesty in the back. All right, well, I want to give you an invitation to come out to Pepperdine. Specifically, in May of each year, we host uh, an open campus project called Harbor. We'll bring in about 200 speakers from all over the country, and a couple thousand Christians will show up. Wonderful singing and worship and teaching. And the good news is, because it comes right after we've let all our students out, we've got a bunch of dorm rooms with ocean views that you can stay in for four nights, food, room and board, the program, everything, for about $280 a person total. Yeah, I know. There's some guys saying, well, that's the anniversary I can afford right there, baby. <laughs> I'm taking you to Malibu, so sincerely, we would love to have you come. You can just look up Harbor uh, at Pepperdine on your uh, phones and such after services, or I'll be around if you have a question, but it's just been a blessing to be here, and especially on Palm Sunday. Tell the person next to you, happy Palm Sunday. We, we may forget sometimes that this is the beginning of Easter week, the greatest turnaround in history. On Sunday, Jesus came into Jerusalem and they shouted, Hosanna, make him Lord. And by Thursday, they were shouting, crucify him. But what a turnaround in just a few days. And yet it was all within God's plan so that we could not just know that he died on a cross, 
But that three days later, Easter Sunday is coming, three days later, he rose again. Can I get an amen from you on that? He rose again, and we celebrate that all over Delaware, all over the country, all over the world. There will be celebrations next Sunday. And I want to encourage you, invite someone to come with you. Five services, two on Saturday and three on Sunday. I know Mark will be sharing the good news of the gospel. Have someone here with you. But even as I say that, I know that's a challenge. Despite all the goodness, all the blessings that we have, the hope of heaven, that we, we can go to the place we want to be and the one we want to be with, the way that Jesus says, I will be with you how long? Always, even in the end of the, end of the age. Sometimes it's challenging. Just just to obey Jesus. You remember the words? Go into all the world. Is this ringing any bells with anybody here? Go ahead and put it up on the screen. Let's say it together. He said to them, go into all the world and do what? Oh, say that like you're excited. One more time. Go into all the world and preach. preach the, that's to tell the good news. That's to share with someone Jesus. It looks so easy on the screen, right? He goes on to say, he that believes is baptized shall be saved. How many baptized believers do we have here this morning? Just curious, yeah. If you won't own up in here, you are toast out there. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. So praise God if you've made that choice. If you haven't, maybe you'll, maybe you'll want to talk to Pastor Mark or somebody about doing that today. What a blessing that would be. But understand the end of that sentence is pretty tough. He that believes not will be condemned. How important is it that you and I, not just on Easter weekend, but every week, be sharing Christ? Or maybe the other side of it is, what's holding me back? What holds you back? There was a Christian magazine that did a survey asking the question, what keeps our mouth shut? What is it that keeps Christians from talking more about their faith. They did a little survey amongst believers all over the country and came up with, amongst several things, two were the top two reasons. And I'm curious if you would agree with these. The first reason were people who said, I just don't know enough. I mean, I, I would share Christ, but what if somebody asked me a difficult question? What if they said, you know, how come the dinosaurs aren't in the book of Genesis, you know? Or where did Cain get his wife, uh, did Adam have a navel? I don't know, you know? I just, he was the first man. I'm not, you know, I'm not, not sure. And Satan uses that fear to think, oh, I won't know. I'll get it. That's a tough question. So I'm just, I'm going to leave that to the professionals. I'm going to leave that to the pastoral staff. I, I'm going to leave that to people who really know. Now, maybe if I don't know enough is not your reason for keeping your mouth quiet. Maybe it's the second one, which is I'm not good enough. I'm just... You know, I mean, if I went to my neighbor and said, hey, would you come with me to church? I'm a Christian. They would say, you are kidding me. You're a Christian? No stinking way. Martha, come here a minute. You're not going to believe this. Our neighbors are Christians. We had no idea. I mean, I heard the way you cuss out your lawnmower, so I just, I had no idea that you were a Christian. I mean, I know, let's be honest. We're not perfect people. Can I get a, oh, yeah? Yeah, that guy next to you, even though you're married to him, that lady, they're not perfect, and you know that. And isn't it good to know that our Lord loves imperfect people so much that he let his son die 
for us. Can I get a oh yeah? So if that's true, well, then we know we're not perfect, but oh, we're a little, maybe a little embarrassed. And I thought about those two excuses. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. And it led me years ago to one Bible story. And even though it's not the, the triumphal entry, I believe it's an important one that might set us up well for what's going to happen here next week. It comes from the book of Mark, the fifth chapter. In fact, go ahead, if you have your Bibles with you or a little glowing tablet of some kind, just go ahead and open that up. And let's just walk through this crazy story. The Bible says they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, let's set the scene. The lake there is the Sea of Galilee. It's not a really big lake at all in that you can see right across from one side to the other. I happened to have been blessed to be there and actually go out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee where the storm came down. But this day, there was no storm to scare the disciples. There was something else. The Bible says, when they, Jesus got out of the boat, and where did they dock? There was no marina. They just pulled up alongside a little slope on a hill. The hill slope was covered with little houses. Sometimes they'd be painted white. They weren't real houses. Think of um, some stone huts. It was a cemetery. We, we walked by the beautiful, one of the beautiful old cemeteries in Lewis, my wife and I did. Looked at some of the gravestones, how old they were. But can you imagine, instead of just some gravestones poking up, they're literally stone huts, and inside were the bones of a family. You know, when Grandpa died, you'd you know, let him rot and then put, it, put his bones in there. And there was great-grandpa and great-grandma and Uncle Fred and all them. It was your family's little ossuary, your little bone house. And during the high holy days, they'd paint them white. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, oh, you're like whitewashed sepulchers. That's literally what he was talking about. Now, out of this group of houses of the dead, who comes to meet Jesus? Listen to the text. It says, that a man with an impure spirit, the, all four gospel writers tell this story, they call him a demon-possessed man, came from the tombs to meet him. Now wait, from the tombs? Keep reading. This man lived in where? In the tombs. He would get, I mean, how desperate do you have to be to get in there and, excuse me, Uncle Fred, pardon me, Grandma, you know, I'm going to move your bones aside and sleep there. Well, the Bible says he must have been driven away from the rest of society. Well, how do you know that? Read it. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him, that is, tie him up anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to overcome or subdue him. And so night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now think about this scene. The disciples and Jesus pull up a boat at the cemetery, and from one of the tombs comes running a crazy man, a demon-possessed man. He has got ropes and chains on him. He's cut. He is screaming and running towards them. And the other disciple, uh, the other uh, gospel writers, let us know he is, as my grandma would say, completely naked. He has no clothes on. So think of a naked, crazy, screaming guy, chains on him, running down towards them. What would you do? <laughs> I know what I'd do. But I'd be in that boat rowing and saying, Jesus, you walk and meet us on the other side. I mean, I, I'd be gone. 
But it's Jesus who is saying, come out of him. Come out of him. Because he knows the real problem. Come out of him. The Bible says the demon-possessed man runs up to Jesus and falls on his feet and begins to beg him. Begins to cry out before him. And Jesus, after he says, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Oh, in God's name, don't torture me. Now hang on. Whoever accused Jesus of being a torturer? Demons knew what was about to happen. Jesus says, what is your name? <laughs> oh, come out of him, you impure spirits. What is your name? The man does not answer, because I believe the demons do. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Is that creepy or what? We are many. We're going to find out that there's thousands of demons inside this guy. The disciples, I can only imagine. What do you think he sounded like, right? Our name is Legion. We are many. Of course, there's lots of demons. So our name is Legion. We are many. Shut up. Move over. There's always demons inside this guy, right? I have to laugh a little bit because it's creeping me out. And then the demons say, please, please don't send us out of here. Don't send us out of the area. One of the other gospel writers says, don't send us into the abyss. I don't know what that is. They just didn't want to go there. And then they see on a hillside are a great herd of, any VBS graduates remember? Pigs, exactly. There's pigs, 2,000 pigs on a hillside. That's a big herd of pigs. By the way, these are not for the Jews. They're not going to have any, you know, Farmer John's ham. In fact, this is probably to feed the Roman soldiers that were in the area. Now, once you see these 2,000 pigs, and Jesus with a smile says, fine, all right. You come out of him and you go into the pigs. <laughs> the scripture says that the, the 2,000 pigs each got a demon, and all of a sudden, they rushed down the steep bank into the lake, threw themselves in, and were drowned. Wow, I love to turn Steven Spielberg loose on that piece of this movie, right? This 2,000 pig stampede, but it's the next verse that just kills me. It says, those tending the pigs ran off. Yes, I imagine they did when 2,000 pigs got demons and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Where's the first place they had to go? By, by the way, it said those tending the pigs. Do you know what that verb tells you? They're not the owners. These were the, 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 the pig shepherds, you know, or the, 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 the hog pokers. I don't know what to call them, the, uh, the pig boys. And, and they were out there, and they only had one job, just one job. Don't let anything happen to the pigs. Don't let animals kill them. Don't let somebody steal them. And all of a sudden, they're looking at all of them dead and flipping a shekel to see who's going to go tell the boss. Man, I, I'd love to have been in that room. When they, when they was, well, we, we, don't, we don't know exactly what happened, sir. Um, Harvey was getting a bite of lunch, and I was uh, just watching him. When all of a sudden, one of the big ones went, and he just ran. And then a bunch of others made noise, and they ran. Yeah, I, I tried to grab one of them by the tail, but he got away, and no, they all ran right into the lake. No, sir. It appears none of them knew how to swim. They, um, they're all dead, sir. Just hold the whole... No, I am not lying, sir. We did not sell your pigs. We did not steal you. I can prove it. Come out there. They're all floating in the lake. 
2,000 pigs. Yeah, it's like a pig pontoon bridge. You could just walk right across the Caesarea if you wanted to. And sure enough, the Bible says the whole town came out. I mean, they didn't have Netflix, right? So they all rushed out to see what was going on. And when they got there, what a sight. Not just 2,000 pigs, but somebody said, you think that's something? Look over there. What were they pointing at? They were pointing at that X demon-possessed man, right? Ex-crazy Harry was over there. And the Bible says he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. And the people freaked out. They said, look what he's done to this guy. And he said, well, how do you know they knew him? Okay, time out. Where do you think the rope and the chains came from? Remember the ones that were on him that he broke? These were the people that put him on him. Well, why did they do that? Well, would you like to have Aunt Ethel's funeral and have a naked guy jumping over the casket in the midst of it? I don't think so. So they would send him out to tie him up or chain him up. But he'd broken them. At least the demons seemed to give him that power. And by the way, if there's anybody going, oh my goodness, I don't like this talk about demons. That kind of scares me. I've seen these movies, kind of freaks me out. Can I give you some good news? Every time in Scripture Jesus meets demons, Jesus commands demons beg. And that's exactly what happened in this story. Don't let any demon talk freak you out. You say, what about demons? I don't know, but I do know this. He that is within us is more powerful than he that is within the world. And as long as I'm standing next to the King of kings and Lord of lords, can't nobody scare me because Jesus is with me always. Tell that person next to you, just relax. Just relax. Some of them have already relaxed, it's clear, but that's all right. Just, just, just relax. So they're pointing at Jesus, and they're pointing at the ex-demon-possessed man, and what do you expect them to do? We expect them to walk up and say, thank you so much, Rabbi, for, for curing this poor man, except that's not what they do. Do you know what they do? They start begging. Only they're begging, please leave, please, please, please. Why are they begging Jesus to leave? I mean, were they worried he was going to do to the chickens what he'd done to the pigs? I don't know. Already here was an economic disaster, and they're saying, please, please leave. Is this ironic or what? The one who is the hope for their future is here, and they're saying, no, thank you. By the way, whenever you share Jesus with somebody, if you invite somebody next Easter, to, to, to Easter rather next Sunday, if this week you talk to a friend at work or somebody at school and say, hey, listen, we're having this thing at church. We'd love to have you come. And they say, no. Jesus never shoved himself down anybody's throat. God gave all of us the right to say yes or no to God. Can I get an oh, yeah? And these folks said, no, oh, thanks. And Jesus says to his disciples, okay, we're going, guys. I'm sure Peter was like, no, let me talk to him. No, 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 no. We're going. It's okay. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. They go down to get in the boat, and they get ready to go, and the boat's, there's no seat for Jesus. Well, I mean, it was a 13-passenger boat, and there were 12 apostles in him, so, why, who, so quickly they, they probably, you know, numbered off. Maybe that's where the song started, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And, and they said, wait a minute, who's the guy in the back? Who tried to get into the boat to go with them? The ex-crazy guy. The Bible says, as Jesus is getting them out, the man with the demon possessed begged, please let me go with you. I don't blame him. Would you blame him? Would you want to go back into the town you had been running naked through for years? I don't think so. 
I'd think maybe it's time for a new start, right? Maybe I'll just go with you. And Jesus shocks us by saying, out of the boat. But, but I want to go. No. Where am I supposed to go? And then Jesus drops a jewel for not only him, but for the crossings. He says, go home. To Help me with it. Go home to what? Your own people. And what? Tell them how the Lord has had mercy on what he's done for you. How he's had mercy on you this day. Go tell what the Lord has done for you. Now the first two words of Jesus' words to him break my heart every time. Go home. Mark, I never really thought much about this guy having a home, you know? Before he was demon-possessed. In fact, the language, go home to your own people, some scholars suggest that that may mean he was the head of a household. He was the dad. He, he, he might have been a husband. Oh, man, imagine that poor woman. I mean, how many years did she walk through the marketplace and hear behind her, yes, she's the one married that crazy fella. So sad, just sad, you know? You know, you know the chatter that would be in a little village? Or being his kids? Man, yeah, parent-teacher conferences would be something, right? Is your dad coming? No, no, he will not be here. Or kids coming up at school. Saw your dad the other day. I mean, I saw your dad the other day. I have to, have to giggle because if I don't, I'll cry. Because he hadn't thought about home. Maybe till Jesus said, dude, you got to go home and tell him. Wow. The Bible says the guy went all over the Decapolis, all over the 10-city region. Knocking on doors, sharing about Jesus. But you know what? The first door he knocked on was his home. And they were not expecting it. I don't know if one of his kids said, Mom, there's someone at the door. Well, honey, who is it? It's Dad. Oh, man, get in the closet. Get your brother in there. Hand me the broom. I'll get rid of him. Don't worry about this. No, Mama, he's got clothes on. And he, he looks different. Sweetheart, get back. I don't know what it was like, but can you imagine her opening that door? And, and for the first time in years, seeing her husband's eyes and having him say, Baby, it's okay. They're gone. I want to come home. Did she believe him? Did she know in an instant? I don't know what he said, but I know what she must have asked. How on earth did this happen? And he said, that's why I'm here. I met a man named Jesus. And he changed my life, and I want to tell you about it. Go tell what the Lord has done for you. That's all the evangelism training Christians need. Say it with me. Go tell what the Lord has done for you. May I ask you that that is your Easter week challenge. One more time. Go tell what the Lord 
has done for you. I don't know who you work next to, go to school with, that you've never shared Christ with. And maybe you're like a lady who asked me, Pastor, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I know I shouldn't walk up and say, you're going to hell. If you want to change, come with me. I mean, you know, that's, that's not a good approach. So Jesus says, well, how about you just do this? Go tell what the Lord's done for you. My dad used to say, if ever I get a chance, I tell somebody God's done three great things for me. Number one, I have a father who will never leave me. I'll never be too old to say, Almighty God, my heavenly father. I'll never be too old to crawl up into my heavenly father's lap. And that phrase always gets me because when I was 21 years old, my dad died. He died of a brain tumor. He was a pastor in a church. We'd prayed and prayed. And God's answer to that healing was no. My dad got healed. It just happened when he died. And he went to be with Jesus forever. But for me, at 21, I had no, I had no place to turn. Of course, until I realized the one place I had to turn was the God who loved me even more than my father. He never met my wife. Never met any of my boys. Doesn't know that one of his sons is a pastor. He'd be so proud, I think. But I have a father who will never, ever leave me. Is always there for me. And that is worth sharing. Can I get a, oh yeah, that's worth sharing. I have a family who can't get rid of me, a family who'll always love me. Oh, they've wanted to at times, but they can't, they can't do it. <laughs> when my little brother was born, you need to understand, my, my sister and I were kind of a second family. My mom and dad had two kids, a boy and a girl. Then 18 years later, surprise, I showed up. Oh, you think about the Abraham and Sarah jokes at the church. Let me tell you what. And then they had my little sister. And then we thought, we're perfect. Families of four are perfect. You said, what makes you think? Go to McDonald's. Look at the chairs. Four. I mean, you know, go to, a, go to a theme park. Four seats. It's always four. And then they had my little brother. Mom was 45 when he was born. He wrecked our lives. We couldn't go places. Oh, we have to go home because, you know, Jimmy needs his nap. We, Jimmy needs to change. we got to go feed Jimmy. It was like, we do not need this kid. <laughs> and finally, God opened the door and gave me an idea when a guy came to our church. I don't know if I was five or six years old, but a guy came to our church and talked about Christian adoption and how there are families who desperately want to have a child, and he raises money so that people can adopt a child. And I thought, we have one. <laughs> We have one that a family would love. My sister and I even got some of the paperwork he had and, and filled out. We even got our neighborhood friends to sign a little petition. There must have been something going on about petitions. It got my mind on this, but, you know, to sign to give Jimmy to a family that really needs him and wants him. Can you imagine my mother's face when I brought that into her? And she saw all her friends' children's names on this paper. She said, oh, your father will want to see this. Man, my dad got home. It is an amazing thing that he kept it together and did not send me to meet Jesus that day because <laughs> he sat us down and said, 
this. You, you do not have the right to turn your little brother away. Do you know how we got your little brother? And I thought, well, I've heard rumors, but I'm hoping you're not going to bring this up right now. You know, He said, God gave us your little brother. God gave us your little brother. And when God gives you a brother or sister, your only responsibility is to love them always. We didn't vote Jimmy in the family. And that's the same here at Crossing. You don't vote folks in here, do you? Okay, no, good, all right. Anybody who is, is, comes here and wants to be baptized into Christ, the, the jacuzzi, that's what it's for, right? Is that baptism? All right. If you're here and you've never been baptized into Christ, let me tell you, they're not going to ask for your tax returns. They don't care what job you work or what part of the city you live in. They don't care who your mom or daddy was. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you can be born again and be part of a family that is worldwide. Amen? You have, you have family in California you don't even know. You've got family in Russia, family in the Ukraine. You've got family in China. I've been to those places and met Christians. You have brothers and sisters there you've never met and probably won't get to meet till heaven. I have a family who will always love me. A father, a family, and I've got to finish. I have a future. I've got a future that can't be taken away because of, because of my dad's cancer. It was a brain tumor. What do you think I think about when I get a bad headache? Yeah, yeah. But I've got a guarantee. No tumor, no tornado, no terrorist, no drunk driver can take away the future that I have promised me by Jesus. I've gone to prepare a place for you, and I will take you there. It's, uh, you remember the cartoon? You probably had it here in Delaware, too, called The Road Runner. Remember the one where the coyote always trying to, what was coyote's name? Um, Wy, yeah, Wiley Coyote, yes. And no matter what the Road Runner did, somehow Wiley Coyote always getting up, getting the short end of the stick. Never. And I thought, man, how does that bird do it? That's got to be the smartest bird in the world. And I was an adult before I realized the secret of the Road Runner. He had an agreement with the writer of the cartoon. No matter what Wiley did, the writer just rode him out of it. Truck would come out of a painted tunnel and mow that coyote down because the roadrunner had the writer on his side. That's what being a Christian is. Go tell what the Lord has done for you. You have the writer of history on your side that no matter what happens, my wife and I are going to get on a plane and fly home. What if when the plane takes off from the airport, we get up about 3,000 feet, 4,000, and all of a sudden there's a bang and the plane shudders and one of the engines just flares out. And at the same second, the other engine just shakes loose and falls off. And at the same instant, the pilot has a heart attack and dies. And the co-pilot looks over and has a stroke and he dies. And a lady in front of me says, screams because the guy jumps up and says, I'm a terrorist. And he's covered in bombs. And she drops her cigarette and lights the plane on fire. I mean, every bad thing that could happen, just imagine, happens on this plane. And the whole thing is heading for the ground. And Satan says, oh, I thought you said you have a future that can't be taken away from you. The last thing that Satan will hear from me when that plane hits the ground and explodes is, me, me, and I'm going to heaven. <laughs> Because we have an agreement with the writer. 
Can I get a, oh yeah, we have an agreement with the writer of history. I've got a father who will never leave me, a family and a future. And the question is, what will cause you and I to tell somebody about it this week? To text them on the way out to the car. Man, you've got to come with me next Saturday night. Two services on Saturday. You've got to come with me next Sunday morning. What will prompt you to do that? Jesus says, it's simple. Oh, but I don't know enough. How much do you need to know? Go tell. Last time. Go tell what the Lord has done for you. One more time. That's all you need to know. But I'm not good enough. Have you run through Target naked recently? If you haven't, you're in good shape. And even if you have, that's what this guy did. And he was an amazing evangelist. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. No. He is too wonderful for us to keep quiet about because if we love our neighbor, love speaks. Bow your head. Father, thank you for this wonderful morning. Thank you for how you love us. But God, we come before you, those of us who are believers, to confess love may be silent at times. And God, we've We've kind of been quiet, quiet about the gospel, quiet about the truth. And Father, even as we prepare now to take the Lord's Supper, I ask you to give us the strength and courage to let the bread and the cup remind us we have a calling to share the good things you've done with our world. And so, Lord, I beg you for the person that works with someone right here in this church, that doesn't know Jesus. For the person who goes to school or father cuts their hair or bags their groceries. God, for the waitress or the waiter who will take care of them today when they go out for a bite to eat. For the neighbor down the street that they just need to text. God, I pray that next Sunday, Easter Sunday, there will be a packed building here because this church believes so much in you and loves their neighbors enough that they will speak an invitation to the glory of the gospel. And Father, when the building is full, may we all have the smarts to give you all the credit because you're the one that does it. And for any here who have never given their heart and life to Jesus, may they pause during this special time of communion to say, why don't I get baptized into Christ? thousand reasons to do so father and satan has no good ones not to i pray when this service concludes they'll grab pastor mark or someone else and say i need to get something right i need to get something straight and to your glory and honor we give you today come lord jesus and in christ's name we all pray and say amen thank you for listening And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about The Crossing, visit thecrossingde.com or download the mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Music for today's podcast is from artist Sounds Like Sander under license from soundstripe.com.